The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... M-M-O-W's Oscar Race Update. And we're back! Welcome once again to another episode of MMO's Oscar Race Checkpoint. We lovingly call this the ORC episode on this October 19th, 2019. The 12 years to the day of the release of... That fun children's epic, the remake of the Ten Commandments movie, starring Christian Slater, Alfred Molina, and Elliot Gould. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is the uh, the Holy One, also Mike. Oh, God, the Holy One. <laughs> Here, here's who's not the Holy One. Yeah. Christian Slater was in this movie. Can you imagine his deadpan impersonation of Jack Nicholson voice? <laughs> going for like you know whoever he played in this like a bible character the bad guy from the wife doubles as like jesus what the hell i was hoping when you you know pitched this to me mm-hmm. before we started recording that this was history of the world part one right and yeah I can make a bunch of piss boy jokes these 15 10 10 command no but that's what we're doing today that one obviously not an oscar contender but this is the news show that we bring to you weekly focused on all oscar contenders that we're talking about for this future and sometimes past oscar shows as well uh it's all oscar centric news and the oscar race checkpoint we bring this to you once a week and mike uh, a loaded week as always why don't we start talking about the animated feature category that is maybe films that are better than the ten commandments you'd say a lot better yeah. than the ten commandments that animation looked <laughs> awful and just the imdb page so yes we get to talk about some award nominations and some potential nominees here because 32 animated films were submitted for consideration at the oscars this year the lion king is not amongst them but disney or Pixar, they put forward Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4 to no surprise. What do you think about No Lion King there, Mike? I think it answers a lot of questions that we had about it. I'm... It's not a surprise because Jungle Book was visual effects and not animation. Yeah, either. that's true. I, you Maybe this is Disney spreading themselves out. I would have thought they would have done it just to because it was kind of a critical flop. I know they made tons of money on it, but it would still give them a reason to have an easy Oscars. Hey, if it's reading that or Toy Story 4, you, you'd think they'd have to go with Lion King, no? They gotta be thinking they have animation sewn up this Light, year, laptop, unless, yeah. like, Weathering with You or that Labyrinth of Turtles comes into play. Oh, man, I'm rooting for those turtles. Yeah. <laughs> I don't They'll think get here someday. <laughs> I don't think there's a Spider-Verse coming in, and we're gonna explain more yeah. on that after we review the Frozen 2 trailer. So... I think they're hoping that The Lion King dazzled everybody enough to where they can get this fraudulent visual effects <laughs> Oscar for, for The Lion King uh, in that category. So, they're, again, they're just, you know, it's a power move by Disney. <laughs> That's everything they do usually is. As far as international features that will likely be contending for the animated feature category, we have Weathering With You. That comes from Comix Wave Films. They brought us the 2016 beloved film, Your Name. I still haven't seen that. I really got to. I, I, I doesn't even ring a bell in my Oscars. <laughs> IFDB Journey have it like as their <laughs> best movie of that year. And uh, I just talked to those guys. Yeah, on they are wonderful. And they are esteemed. I, yeah, I, I respect their movie days. And I was like, how have I not seen your number one movie of the year? It's ridiculous. Bunwell in the Labyrinth of the Turtles. And if I ever have the revolution, it'll be leading a labyrinth of turtles. So that's how something I could look up to. Bunwell? Boonwell, Bunwell, <laughs> Buns in the Oven. Niza, that, that's another picture. That made $700 million worldwide thus far yeah. this year. Uh, that's doing well at the blockbuster there. It's also why people are so desperate to break into the Asian cinema market. Jendi Tartakovsky's Primal. It's about a caveman fighting dinosaurs. That's rated a hard R. Apparently it's disgusting. <laughs> And we all have to see this. I, in my mind, it's just the adaptation of the N64 game, Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Oh, it looks like to, it. Yeah, good. It looks like it, that, yeah. that game scared the shit out of me when I was like a mm-hmm. preteen. And also we have Netflix's Claws is coming soon, I Lost My Body, uh, Spies in Disguise. We've talked about that a couple times. That's a Will Smith animated picture that's going to be coming out in theaters. So the animated uh, category seems to be getting kind of loaded. So that's what we haven't seen for the most part. Some movies we have seen, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World abominable i'm going to review that at the end of the episode missing link those feel like nominees in previous years for one reason or another mm-hmm. mostly visuals for the latter two my guess is that they're gonna they could get one spot movies i don't think have much of a chance this year secret life of pets 2 lego movie 2 angry birds 2 based on reception mm-hmm. even though it got better critical scores than we thought adam's family did well at the box office but i was shocked to check in on its critical score Mike, because it's only like a 30 percenter. 
These people have no taste. What are they doing? <laughs> I'm pulling for the Adams family. I would love to see that. One of those, I guess it did land with kids, even though they have no attachment to it. And maybe TV land is still showing reruns somewhere, even though they don't show any old programming anymore. Maybe they just did a great job with it. It's very happy yeah. and it's a cool, you know, Halloween themed animated film that looked great. It needs to warm the cold, dead hearts of all these <laughs> critics that have access to meta rating scores. I agree. We want to see that. IndieWire cites that not all of these films are guaranteed consideration because some of them have yet to secure and announce American theatrical release dates. Obviously, it's got to play in American theaters in New York and L.A. for a minimum of a couple weeks there. It feels like everyone's swimming upstream, though, doesn't it? Doesn't this feel like it's Toy Story 4 and it's Frozen 2 and that's just it? It's uh, Disney's I, year. I believe as much. I, my guess would be like a How to Drain... How to Drain, how your, to drain your Dragons of Porno. Yeah. <laughs> I would guess it's uh, The Hidden World, whatever that sub <laughs> surtitle is. Yeah. And then something like Weathering With You, maybe the Labyrinth of Turtles, probably not Primal. Maybe Netflix, you know, throws their mm. money around and claws or I Lost My Body get in there. Spies in Disguise looks a lot of fun, too. At yep. least the animation it is does. gorgeous. I'd but, love to see Niza make a little noise. And land. I mean, that's, you know, celebrating international pictures. Could be. Yeah. I mean, it's the selection for China in, in terms of the f best international feature, yeah. too. So we'll see. Mike, the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards announced their nominations. Yeah, so we have the also Mike favorite, and this one's getting a kind of a resurgent moment right now. The Biggest Little Farm, uh, it's on Netflix, that landed seven nominations. Juggernaut! <laughs> Apollo 11 and They Shall Not Grow Old, those landed six nominations each. One Child Nation had five. And we had The Cave, Honeyland, American Factory, Aquarella, and Sea of Shadows. We've talked about or previewed most of those. Those all landed four noms each. So we're going to focus on the best documentary category, the big one at this award show. American Factory is currently on Netflix. That got the first nod. Apollo 11, we're happy to see. Neon uh, producing that. Uh, that's on Nat Geo VOD right Go now. Go see that. Yes, The Biggest Little Farm, also from Neon. It's on VOD right now. And uh, I, I love those three films as yeah. documentary experiences. I think American Factory is the most vegetables of the group. Even though they make the Explain most vegetables. to people, you drop vegetables all the time, and I'm yeah. not even sure I'm 100%. You cut off my vegetables joke because I know, I'm sorry. Farm made the most vegetables. Can I finish? Very good. <laughs> that joke that nobody laughed at. I'm why sorry. Did I, push, I did trample on that. Why did yeah. I push through? That's my fault. No. But can you explain what you mean by vegetables? Because you bring that up often. Where it's just a tough watch, where it's, you know, they're basically citing themes of. Wow, do we have a long way to go, especially, and this is fitting right now, because American and Chinese cultures are fusing more than ever, <clears throat> the governments operate differently, the business practices are wildly different on many levels, even though there's definitely a capitalistic imperative <laughs> on both sides, despite the fact that they're a communist country, which is interesting, <laughs> but then again, uh, wow, I don't want to say things, is what it's I don't want to say. spiraling downwards here. <laughs> It's it's vegetables because it's good for you, but it's hard to consume. So and I this is something I never knew. And you so this is vegetables in like the pejorative sense. This is vegetables as like I only want to eat steak. Forget the vegetables. I only want to eat McDonald's. I see. Okay, but uh, this is healthy for us. Right. You should American do this, Factor. but it's good. You're gonna have to grin and bear it. I understand. Speaking All right. of vegetables, Mike. Yeah. The cave that's on National Geographic that was just in theaters. That's from National Geographic, I should say. Uh, I can't find it anywhere right now. It's carrying an 81 Metascore. It's the daily life of female Syrian doctors during the Syrian War. And if that's what we're going to say, vegetables are, then then yes, that sounds very harrowing and very tough to watch. But, but it's probably necessary. Healthy vegetables. Yeah. though because the last few Syrian documentaries have just been incredible from Last Men in Aleppo to uh, the, the White Helmets and, th and that was choosing from a whole group of them so they, they've all been good. We have Honeyland that's also from Neon. Neon is a production company or a distribution company I should say that I'm really going to take great interest in in these last few months of 2019 because they have a lot on their plate and they are it's kind of the first time having this much to go for an Oscars push for them. They're competing in a couple major categories, so keep an eye on that. But I mean, last couple years, I mean, Itania sticks mm -hmm. out to me. They haven't had That's that it, many. Right. And th this is a huge year for yeah, them. Yeah, a lot of different categories. Honeyland, though, like we said, from Neon, it's coming to VOD October 22nd. This is about a Macedonian beekeeper life. It is. And I tell you, if we didn't start this podcast... <laughs> I was a suggestion away from being a Macedonian beekeeper. <laughs> That's some life. Let's put it this way. We reviewed the trailer on yeah, that one did. before. It That's looks, wild. 
fascinating. Yeah, it does. It, it's a it's big picture themes too. So you wouldn't think you'd get that with Macedonian beekeeper life. Yeah, you get that <laughs> at least apparently. So we're gonna have to see that one. The Kingmaker is coming to Showtime November eighth, or it's coming to theaters. I didn't research that much. Fair enough. It's coming though. That is about uh, Imelda Marcos, who is not from Suspiria in that universe. She is the former first lady of the Philippines. She's a witch. Seventy-seven Metascore. She is a controversial political figure, and yes, it's eligible for Oscars, even though it's going to Showtime. She's a political witch. This is just the plot of Final Fantasy VIII, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> There's a big sword involved. Knock yeah. Down the House is currently on Netflix. I love that one. Yes. Leaving Neverland was nominated in this category. That's on HBO, obviously, but it's an Emmy nom, and it's not Oscars eligible. I think for length re- reasons for that new rule. Probably for a lot of reasons. We just reviewed Maiden, which is very good. It's I, I was hoping it would be great. That's now on VOD. Mm-hmm. And then Amazon Studios, one of their few hopefuls here, One Child Nation is coming on November 8th to Amazon Prime. It's one I've had my eye on for a while, too. I'm very yeah. interested in that. John Oliver just actually did a whole, one of his episodes was dedicated to the one child rule wow. um, from China. So and it's, it's mercifully short. It's yeah. only like an hour and a half. Yeah, very, very short, and it's first-hand account. So something to keep an eye on. They Shall Not Grow Old, that came out last year from Warner Brothers. We talked about how that landed a couple nominations from this Critics' Choice panel here. It's on VOD. It was a BAFTA nominee last year. It was released in February over here in the U.S. That's made it eligible for this award show but we both think that this is probably not eligible for the Oscars anymore. None of the pundits have it anywhere, yeah. from Feinberg to Clayton. I'm guessing that it was eligible last year. I probably should have looked at the short lists then. I, I thought I remember it coming out in December as like a limited or right. a, yeah, something. It was like so an event. Was... They marketed it really right. smartly because they had like events once a week at AMC where people were going like crazy, yeah. and then that like platformed to actually a long and prosperous run at yeah. the box office. A lot of money. We're gonna to get to our takes about all this in a minute, but mine's to say that I'm still angry at the documentary feature. Category. Right? Aren't yeah. you a little bit? I'm a little skeptical that even if they pick Apollo 11 here, which is probably our favorite mm. at the moment, I can't get hyped about no, this category because no. I think they're gonna screw it up. They need the solidarity that the international film branch has. Yeah. In the last year, at least, we'll see if That's they do point. it this year and actually promote the films that can cross over. We've heard some buzz that Apollo 11 is going to get a Best Picture campaign from Neon. Again, Neon throwing some weight around. They're really excited about their slate this year, so that's fun. The biggest snub for me, and it got nominated in Best Sports Doc, was Diego Maradona. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very I thought that was really well done, even though it was kind of hard to watch at times. It lagged, so maybe that's why. But last year, Free Solo was nominated in the overall category, so sports nominees can cross over. I was also surprised to see like the Bob Dylan Netflix musical biopic mm. not in the, the main slate here for the big category, Good so point. maybe that doesn't have the momentum we thought it did. Uh, I feel like a father. Mm-hmm. With the do- in documentary feature is is my child who I just found like was smoking marijuana at age eleven. Okay, and I'm just like <laughs> so disappointed in it. Still, I can't bring yeah, myself. I agree with you to have its converse the conversation I need to have with it. This ha- needs to prove itself that it's gotten its head out of certain places. Certain places. I- I'm just I'm tired of this category. In the last couple of years, it's been so glaringly incorrect in just the worst ways as far as the Academy's handling of it. We've had universally beloved. And admired pictures, like Jane, everyone was sure a couple years ago was going to win, doesn't even get nominated. Last year, we had a three-headed monster everybody was sure was going to get nominated. And Won't You Be My Neighbor, The Three Identical Strangers, and Free Solo, two of them don't even reach nomination. Appalling. What, what are we doing here? So, get your shit together, documentary feature, and God help you if you don't handle Apollo 11 correctly. I agree. Because Apollo 11, I've said it a billion times and I'll say it again, is less a documentary and more just an American event for me. It is a movie-going event. Go back to our OSP with a shameless plug there. But, Mike, (laughs) the winners for the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, they are announced on November 10th, so we'll be covering that soon on Oscar Race Checkpoint as well. Better be Apollo 11. Yeah, some industry news. We have a new streaming option from AMC. And when I saw this, I thought it was going to involve movies we can't get anywhere else. New movies. That would make sense. Where, because they had the rights to them in their theaters, maybe the artisan films, I was getting all excited. And now I look at it, I look at the app on my phone, I look at it on the computer, and it's basically the entire on-video VOD slate that you can find everywhere else. 
I, it's nothing new. Don't understand the logic behind. Look, we brought up Nick Mundy's name a lot because we've been talking to him a lot lately, and and he, I think, crystallized this for me. I, I put this story mm-hmm. up on Twitter, and he was the first responder. He goes, "So it's just basically iTunes without the original content." Yes. I don't understand the point of this really. If the math is simple enough to where this is sure to buoy AMC's bottom line, then why wouldn't every major theater chain go after this if it's that simple of profit? Well, I think for all the rights makers out there, you might as well go to more vendors than less, correct? Sure, you know, Get right. those royalty. They get already have relationships there, yeah. with all the studios. So this is a win-win for all of them. The only reason that I would do some of this, mm-hmm. and occasionally I watch a movie on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. on my laptop, sure. I would use this instead now because it gets me AMC Stubbs points. It gets me points for the rewards program. There. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not doubting AMC. I mean, they're the only chain that's the only anything, the only entity that's really figured out how to make money or at least withstand the loss initially of the theater subscription program. We've seen how many countless endeavors try and fail mm-hmm. and MoviePass just won't die. It's like Jason, very apropos for the end of October here, but I, I'm not doubting their 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 wisdom in this move. I just can't see the forest for the trees here. I don't really understand uh, this move other than, again, if it's going to make money, why wouldn't rave cinema why wouldn't every I, I just don't understand why it would be exclusive to amc but it's nice to see them pulling out all the stops i can't really help but wonder with this move how close they may be towards making their own original programming i mean usually this is how it starts netflix amazon mm-hmm. somebody's going to be a vod subscription service and then they turn into making their own content don't see that happening here but you know i i think their selling point is the incentive for the points and that, that's that's at the end of the day they must have a conviction that people want to keep adding points concessions are cheap where they make a lot of money on mm-hmm. concessions at movie theaters now they need to make a lot of money on concessions sure. based on the business models out there but if people are using this a list and really taking advantage of it and loving the points that they get and Buying concessions yeah. more often than I do, perhaps, even though I do quite often, quite frequently. More I than always I, do, and I don't, I'm not even part of a list. I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't. I don't have enough money, and I don't need the calories. But I think uh, I think this is a a good move for the studio, certainly, and for AMC. I guess I'm curious. I'm curious if this makes them more money yeah, and helps. Them. Again, it's one of those. Uh, it's another chain of revenue or stream of revenue. Mm-hmm. We're not business people here. <laughs> That they could offset maybe some of the costs of A-list if they have a bad month on A-list. Right, maybe right. for Oscar season, per se, when all of us nerds go to the theaters every night. Yeah, I think AMC's done a wonderful job as far as getting making the theater experience, making the movie experience matter. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a wonderful job of doing all they can to get people in there. Maybe this is just their way of trying to get a piece of the at-home viewing audience as well. Could be. The next big story here for industry news is that once upon a time in Hollywood, they have just had their release canceled in the Chinese markets, Mike. Apparently, Sony is working with Tarantino to recut the film, and the adverb they use was frantically. So this comes on the heels, and basically because of, if you believe the Hollywood Reporter article, Bruce Lee's daughter, again, appealing to the Chinese government and right. complaining about this film as she had been not happy with how this film was cut and how her father was viewed in it for a while. I have two thoughts. The first one is, how about all the power China is wielding lately in yes. major venture? I mean, the NBA is going through a whole thing with China right now. South Park. South Park's going through a whole thing. Sony Pictures now and Quentin Tarantino. They, they wield that market in China is very, very desirable and holds a lot of power. And let nobody mistake you that money is the... The ultimate motivator for everyone so here. the way i think about it is chinese markets probably wouldn't have gone in for this film all that much anyway i wouldn't think so it's a talking american picture yeah. that it's kind of hard to translate in a way it's also a movie that does take one of the icons of their film going heritage and he does they don't serve him well let's say i, I mean I agree with you on all the points we made about right. Bruce Lee, that it's it's more dimensional than people give it credit for. Absolutely. But, yes, you're right, on the face of it, especially this one scene, he does come off as an overly arrogant human being. 
I can see Sony's desperation in this. And this is my second point. Because yes. we talked about the deal they made with Tarantino in the first place. How the film needs to make $375 million worldwide for them to see a dollar of profit off it. And there's a lot of money to be made in the Chinese market. In the yes. Chinese movie going market. We talk about that pretty much weekly on the show. So They were at 363 right, last they're week. They're on the cost. So if the, it opens profit. in China and it opens for like $40 million over two months. Exactly. Then they made $15, 20000000 million. So there's legitimate profit at stake for Sony and recutting this and getting it to placate the Chinese government so it can play over there. Now, the big question I have is how much is Tarantino on board with this? Because that's not in the story really. It's very creatively uh, phrased by Patrick Brzezinski of The Hollywood Reporter that they're frantically working on it and yet is the next story that comes out Tarantino's like, hey, I'm not cutting a thing. This they gave him final me. cut, right? Yeah. I mean, that was a big part of the deal they made with Tarantino. I don't know if that extends to international distribution as well, if he has final cut over that too. He doesn't have the film rights, but as far as what the film is when it's distributed to different theaters, I think that's his call. So here's my question to you now. What is the better PR maneuver for Tarantino? And I hate to get cynical and talk about it like that, but... He's going to be up against Scorsese, who's the put better his, PR move is to play nice. He's putting his foot in his yeah. mouth, Scorsese, every day with yep. potential new Academy members. We'll talk about that. He might be winning over old school ones, yep. though, with what he's saying. Could be. And Tarantino has typically put his foot in his mouth in previous Oscar campaign and awards seasons in the past. If he plays nice with China, who is a burgeoning market for the film mm -hmm. industry? Really, not a burgeoning market. It is a huge it's market. It's a big market. Yeah. Now. Is this a free speech issue, and that and that's is this a hill that he should die on, or should he appease them here? I don't think it's a free speech issue in terms of what. I don't think this is comparable to what's going on with the NBA in China. Right. I think at the end of the day, I was like, do you need a muscle flex scene for Brad Pitt against Bruce Lee to the point where Bruce Lee looks bad? And I didn't think necessarily that was entirely necessary for the film. So maybe if Tarantino's realized this was more trouble than it's worth, it's dragging down my whole Oscar chances for this movie, and I might as well appease. Because, all right, maybe I do feel guilty that this icon of everybody's youth, I didn't serve him so well. I used him as a punching bag in a way. You know, maybe, right, I, I, see, I see that argument. Because I don't necessarily feel like Tarantino, if he doesn't get on the free speech mountaintop and die on that hill, then he's wrong here. I don't know if that's the case. Could be a double-edged sword, too. A lot of people are giving the NBA a lot of flack for basically shutting up and siding with China, proving that money rules all. But what does the Academy say? Right. Because the Academy members are in business with China to a huge degree. Yeah. I mean, that membership... He could be damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't, too. If he speaks up, it could be another case of, oh, that's Quentin Tarantino, always needs to be in control, always has his ego in the way. True. And if he just lets it go, it could be, well, you know, he's he, he'd be lumped in by people who aren't aware of the details mm -hmm. with the NBA because the NBA is being, being viewed so negatively about how they're handling the free speech issue. People who aren't really concerned with the actual facts of this case right. could just see Quentin Tarantino as another guy that's just appeasing the Chinese government. So he could be, it could be a damned if he does, damned if he doesn't situation here. I just think this is kind of a plot issue that is just not that important to me. And yeah, can you get movie? away with the movie if that scene's not in it? Sure. Yeah. I agree. I don't view it as like this is a major hill to die on. I also think that the whole this whole controversy has been overblown. Right, from the it's start. been overblown yeah. from the start. So why not just the piece yeah. of like if this was something about politics that's about right and wrong, I, I would see it differently. Yeah, you can you can make a grander stand. I think there are nuances to the argument, people. We don't have to be sure. And you can also see this as an argument of principle, though. Like, how long? Sure. So, what are you going to do? Just always change the movie once sometimes someone complains or somebody isn't. Could be. There's yeah. a billion arguments. That no, you're right. You're right this. about that. So. I probably shouldn't frame it that way. Yeah. Well, we all probably should have seen this coming. Hi, guys. Mike One butting in here in the editing session, uh, the kind of post production stuff we do to give you an update to this story and show you how right and wrong we were pretty. Immediately, The Hollywood Reporter just released at about 4 p.m. Eastern Time Tarantino's response saying that he is refusing to recut Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He doesn't believe in tinkering with his films. He wants them to take it or leave it as is. So we could be setting the stage for a big Tarantino versus Sony showdown here. Sony, like we just talked about, is obviously going to want that money, going to want the input from the Chinese market there to kind of 
do more than break even and make some profit off the film. Tarantino very famously loves having artistic uh, control, and he put himself in a position to negotiate for Final Cut. You heard me question whether or not he had Final Cut over the international feature and distribution as well. That turns out to be the case. He does, in fact, have that, so... Could just be the first step into an interesting kind of week ahead for Tarantino, Sony, and the country of China as far as what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will do, but just wanted to come in here and get it on record that Quentin Tarantino has said he will not be editing the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for a Chinese release. What does that mean for Sony? What does that mean for the movie? We'll have all that, and we'll keep an eye on all of it for you and let you know. Uh, but until then, let's get back to the ORC episode. <laughs> Anyway, we got some film festival news, Mike. NYFF Week 2 just came to a close. Two profiles here. The first one, Varda by Agnes. Hoi Tran Bui from Slash Film. She's done a great job recapping mm -hmm. this festival, and she saw this great review there. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, 50 reviews, 83 Metascore for this bio doc. You would think this is something that's probably going to play as well if it's got very high scores. And Faces this Place is a recent nominee. Yeah, we uh, we previewed this one as well, having just lost Agnes Varda earlier this year. Yeah, that was a big blow to the film yeah. industry. In terms of the film, though, Award Circuit, Circuit Breaker Pod, I've been catching up on all those episodes. Mm -hmm. They've been great. They've been crushing it. Uh, some new audio after a while, and they, they sound great uh, as well. Clayton Davis and company there, friend of the pod. They've been talking about how only like really true fans would love this movie, and if you haven't seen her entire filmography, it's kind of a tough watch. It's it's going to be a TV series, Mike, a two episodes, like oh, three hour kind of deal. So I, I don't know if it's it's one of those where you want to in one sitting if you've never seen it, one of her films. Like we're not all that familiar with her films, so this would be a tough watch for us. Yeah. I'm guessing. And no offense to this documentary, but it's also not Apollo Eleven. It's not Apollo. So Apollo I don't 11. know. How much I can get behind it. Even though I love her hairdo so much <laughs> that it's almost Apollo 11 level visuals. It's there. a rocket ship hairdo. <laughs> Motherless Brooklyn is the other profile here. And look at the yep. downfall of these scores, Mike. It is down to a 62 meta, 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. To be fair, only 34 reviews thus far. This is releasing wide at Norton, Alec Baldwin, Gugu Mbatha-Ra on November 1st. Yeah, the scores and reviews have really not been great, and yet I feel like the marketing has ramped up for it, so I can't really chastise WB for that because I chastise Disney for not doing it. If you have a grand marketing scheme, mm -hmm. if you're going to put a lot of money into the production, if you're mm -hmm. going to try to sell you might as well go through with it and just try to get all the money you can, the revenue you can, out of it. Here's my suspicion. Yeah. It's marketing as a dad movie. And we're going to have a great two months for dad movies from Ford v. Ferrari. And this is a phrase from the uh, Little Gold Men podcast. And I love Joanna Robinson and company on that show. I listened to it on the way here. They call them dad movies. And I was watching a Yankee game mm -hmm. with my dad last week. <laughs> this was last week. And he saw the trailer and he's like, Ooh, that looks good. <laughs> so it might be right there. They, they call might, that a self-fulfilling prophecy. They might have a path to some box office success. I, I am very, very put off by this trailer yeah. still. And every time I see Ed Norton faking Tourette's syndrome, it just rubs me the wrong way. People, I know I can't speak yeah. about it because I don't have the affliction. I don't have. I don't suffer through it. So I understand people are happy with it. People have called it sympathetic. Yeah. So to be fair, but. It shocked us early, and then in all the TV spots, it's not there. Like, they're right. ignoring it. Right, The 30-second spots, I think that's very curious. They go out of their way to highlight it in the two-minute trailers and two-minute previews, the theatrical previews. But the 30-second spots, it's nowhere to be seen. And 30-second spots are what's shown during football games, the right. wider audiences. Right. So I'm wondering if there's a little deceitful marketing going on here. Yeah, a little bit. It's frowned upon by us, yeah. let's just say. No uh, trailer has made me feel so unintentionally awkward this year. Except for Beanpole coming up. That's intentionally awkward. Though. Oh, is it? All right. All right. Some more film festival news here. Manos wins the top prize at the London Film Festival, Mike. Atlantics wins best first feature. We're happy about this. I have to see both of these. I don't have much to add other than I think these are going to be players. Manos is coming back to our city theater. Should I try again? And, <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I, I should call ahead and ask, hey, is your, is your yeah. cut... Is it safe to come? Five, 50 minutes, have to parallel park in the city with my giant car. Is it safe to do that? Or should I just stay home? I really want to see 
Manos. I really want to see Atlantics, which is coming out on Netflix next month as well. Get the film projectionist to the 16-year-old who has like half days at the theater on the line mm-hmm. and tell him to put the film in now while you're on hold and make sure it's playing before you get in your car. I do. I need to call yeah. ahead. That's the only thing I agree. that will solve I agree. my worries. Because last time I was really bummed out. I got all the way there and couldn't watch it. You should have complained. I should have done something yeah. different than I yeah. did. You get money back or something there. Free I went popcorn. home and I ate almonds, <laughs> which is also how I say almonds. Mike, the two popes, these are deep cut back yeah. episode <laughs> Inside jokes. MMO jokes. We're weird. Yeah. Uh, the two popes wins the audience award at the Miami Film Festival. And the big news is it beat out Parasite, Honey Boy, and Dolomite, Mike. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Capernaum was the winner last year that did get an Oscar nominee, Best International Film. We keep hearing major buzz about Jonathan Price. We keep hearing major buzz about this screenplay by Anthony McCartan. So the two popes apparently is doing a, like, full worldwide regional circuit, and people are going to see it everywhere. It's resume building time for a lot of these contenders. They're Mm -hmm. trying to hit different lower-on-the-card film festivals to get some wins and build up their resumes and potential uh, as far as pushing people and performances and the pictures and screenplays forward for the Oscars season. So dream vacation moment right now for me. I want to go to Miami a week early and then go to the Miami Film Festival. That's got to happen. Or San Sebastian, one of the two, but that would be great. I would burn so much. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't like living on a beach necessarily, but like going to a beach for a couple of days is a nice little reprieve. The sunshine in Miami reflecting off the white sand, off my white self would blind people. Well, this is an also my dream vacation, I guess. (laughs) You have olive skin. You're Italian. I'm very Irish and very Polish. It's not just Italian. I'm Sicilian. Right. My people are You have, yeah, your people are from the coastal area. They are. To that sort of sunshine. Could be a home Speaking of these... Smaller film festivals, Parasite wins Film Fest 919 and that audience award over Marriage Story, The Two Popes, Jojo Rabbit. So here comes all the jockeying, who wins, who loses, one week, next week, here it comes. I need help. (laughs) All right? I posted this on Twitter on Wednesday, but I'll repeat it for the listeners who didn't see it. I really want to like Parasite. I really, really do. Mm Mm-hmm. All I see everywhere are people more connected to the film industry than I raving about the brilliance of it and how it's a perfect film. Brian McElhaney, who's the other half of Britannic, we talked to Nick Coach right here. He, on his Instagram story, said it was the best film of the year, if not the decade. And these accolades come from everybody nonstop Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the point where I feel like a crazy person. It's it's some buzz. It's some deafening Vuvuzela level (laughs) buzz. But the more I think about the film... yeah. The more problems I have with Oh, it. I know. Oh, I know this full, <laughs> full well. So I want to like it. I'm begging people, if you've seen it and you love it, I'm not looking to argue. I'm not looking to undercut your point. I'm not looking to belittle you. I just genuinely want you to tell me why it's the great film that everyone says it is. Mm. Why do you think it's so wonderful? I've heard a couple people come out of the woodworks and tell me their reasonings. I get it. They haven't told me anything that I'm not, like, um, it hasn't been revolutionary to me. Yeah, to be fair, in that review, I didn't want to really go back at you all right. that hard. And in that review, I was more like a soccer goalie during a shootout. <laughs> I really didn't have, like, I was just flying one way or the other. Sometimes I would connect. The uh, bong hive is probably mad at me. I ju- I, yeah, I want to hear people's enthusiasm yes. for it. That's all I want. So... Help me, help me, is what I'm asking Help you, you help you. <laughs> Mike, the rest of the AFI Film Fest lineup was just announced at the American Film in- Institute. A couple notables, three quick profiles, A Hidden Life from Terrence Malick. That is a 76 Metascore right now, 79% on 58 reviews. Again, I hear from Award Circuit that Malick fans will enjoy it, but the first two hours, get this, the first two hours <laughs> may turn people off before the eventually pleasing third hour. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Gibney's Doc Citizen K, uh, November 27th. That is about a man who became the unlikely martyr in the anti-Putin movement in Russia, Mike. Oh, my God. Guess what his last name isn't. What? Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the truth. From Hirokazu Kurita. This was Shoplifter's director last year. This movie starring Catherine Deneuve and Juliette Binoche. 71 Metascore, Mike. 
This, this, we didn't preview this, did we? Did we we have talked about it adjacently like 17 times now. Oh, okay. That's but why it sounds familiar. Sounds There's familiar. too many movies. <laughs> Everybody waited until the end of 2019, and yeah. I, we're just getting bogged down in names and stuff. So my apologies there. And this is, of course, adding to Queen and Slim, Richard Jewell, and the Apple Plus movie, which we neglected yeah, to we didn't say that last pinpoint week. last week. The Banker. That's Apple Plus's Oscar hopeful. So Apple Plus is going after... Yes, that's a big story. That's why I mentioned is it. Is Spielberg aware of this? I hope he is. <laughs> Me too. And I hope he has to talk about it. Somebody <sighs> should definitely ask him about it. All right. I mean, look, I mean, I love these old school directors. I really do. And I bow and scrape as I disagree with them, usually, <laughs> like Mr. Scorsese and like Mr. Spielberg. But good God, man. Yeah, more on that coming up. We got Scorsese to cover here, but let's get into some more award season news, Michael. Bombshell debuted, and Margot Robbie is the real deal, according to Scott Feinberg and many others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Feinberg's not the only expert that says that. Eric Weber of Awards Ace says Charlize may be his new frontrunner for lead actress. Oh, wow. I'm going to pat myself on the back here a little because there was buzz on social media about the hair and makeup work on the film as well, not only from Charlize's portrayal of Megyn Kelly, but also with John Lithgow being done up as Roger Ailes. That's something I've been on since the day after last year's Oscars. I think you nailed that. Unless these jowls really don't move <laughs> for Mr. Lithgow, this looks exactly like yeah. a humongously fat and old man. <laughs> Who's, who's, who's scummy, supposed to be off-putting and gross. It yeah. looks real. Yeah, it does. And you add all of that onto the nose and the, I would agree with you, the Elizabeth Banks nose. I mean, this is Elizabeth Banks. All right, but <laughs> Megyn Kelly looks great. Looks like Megyn Kelly. Yeah, and Charlize, we'll, we'll get to the trailer in a minute, but she has the mannerisms and the cadence of Megyn Kelly down pat. Mm -hmm. uh, she's much more Megyn Kelly than I would have thought was possible. I'm a little curious as to why this is all happening now for the film. Lionsgate's basically in a full-court press. They're the distributor. But they're going all out for the marketing of this film now, in mid-October, which mm -hmm. is, again, a little odd to me. They flew the three leading ladies out to have a premiere and debut amongst critics. And then the three of them did the talk show circuit, highlighted by stopping at Ellen for the debut of the second trailer. I, I don't get why they're doing so now. I, I don't know if it's just finished later, you know, or a scheduling thing with the yeah. women. Yeah, I, I don't understand what doing this now, how this is going to help their momentum instead of doing it in like two to four weeks after Halloween, start oh, in November, really? go right into Oscar season, get it going then. I don't know. I mean, I guess they missed their film festival window to a degree. I mean, they just debuted it, so maybe now they can enter it in uh, to, and get that buzz going. I yeah, I wonder if that was intentional, if they wanted to hold it off. I don't know. It's, don't it's know. curious. I don't know either, but you definitely have some Elizabeth Banks takes about this bombshell trailer too, Mike. I mean, this is Elizabeth Banks. She has to be furious every time she sees this. She has to be furious in the sense that uh, Charlize Theron's going to win her Oscar. Right, right. Exactly. And win the makeup Oscar for making her look like a person who two people who already exist less makeup would have been required for elizabeth banks let's just put it that way there's some she's not exactly <laughs> like it but i usually make fun of your mr mcguire's yeah. no i think you're, i think i'm coming over to and that now that you're on board for that let's talk about some lip syncing that happened in judy <laughs> no i don't remember but i was taking notes and my mom was talking to me i'm looking over yeah all right whatever uh the loudest voice was the russell crowe roger ailes project yes. on showtime i can only stand one of those episodes it was brutally on the nose just because of the, the grossness and the grossness the hit piece nature yeah. of it. it's just not well done drama in my opinion uh it's not well written for sure and i am thinking this is much more creative in a screenplay sense even though it is just as vicious and might be righteously so it is just as vicious as the as the other project gretchen carlson is being portrayed by nicole kidman megan kelly is being portrayed by charlie Theron, and margot robbie is a fictitious page or assistant mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. All three of them are getting high marks and high regards. If you look at the second trailer that just came out, Bad Guy by Billie Eilish is playing in the background. Anytime you have that to anything, I'm in favor of you it. But I'm, I'm very excited to see this movie. I don't know what more could be done to market it. I mean, I'm already kind of at my fill. And like I said, i got to wait another two months to see it, which is kind of, I feel like I'm going to might forget about it in all the hustle of what's coming up. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with film festivals. We'll have to research that. Get back to you folks. But it's good news that we're getting more... Best actress, best supporting actress, yes. candidates that are very strong, that have track records with the Academy. Let's get that. Let's let's keep, put some fire underneath those races uh, sooner than later here. Or 
let's all agree that Lupita Nyong'o deserves a Best Actress <laughs> Oscar for us. One of the two. One of the two. You've got to do one of those two for me, world. Mike. Yes. Scorsese says cinemas are being invaded by theme park films. And you feel? I do disagree, <laughs> Mr. Your lord. <laughs> my lord. I do disagree. I'm bowing. I'm scraping. I will not show you my back in the most polite way possible. I do disagree. What the hell is going on here with this guy? I mean, I, I, first, the MCU isn't cinema, according to Martin Scorsese. Right. Now they're theme park films. And to say superhero movies are ruining the theater-going experience, it's bizarre to me. So to be fair... If Mr. Scorsese watched the wrong collection of films, like a Justice League, like a The Incredible Hulk, like a few of the MCU films, like a bunch of the, the DCU films, in my opinion, DCEU, then you could come to this conclusion because I would agree they are theme park films. They're still entertaining you to me. You think he's just mixing DC and Marvel as just all one Marvel? Yeah, brand? yeah. could be. I think that the recent slate of MCU films in particular, from Avengers, both of those films, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, uh, and then you go to other studios like Wonder Woman, Logan, Spider-Verse. Been great. They've been great movies, period. Great stories, period. Great movies, period. You go back to The Dark Knight, and we just were gushing Love for an it. hour yeah. on Heath Ledger's performance. There's no way you could tell me that that is a theme park movie, and, and, and only that. And I would argue and imagine that... Those movies are probably more than a little responsible for some theaters even being open at this point because right. of the crowds they draw and the popcorn and soda that is sold, etc. Studios are making these movies, Mike, because we all love to go see them as a nation, as a worldwide movie-going audience, as an era. Superhero films are going to define these 20 or 30 years, whatever it's going to wind up being, like the Westerns or musicals, define previous era. I mean, I, I get the impact, the wider impact on the industry at large if you only do franchise pictures and comic book movies. That's another thing we talk about yes, ad nauseum. We, uh, we want to balance, too. We do. Right. But if you look at just the numbers, I mean, if we didn't have Endgame this year, we didn't have these Marvel pictures, the theater gross has been below the previous year's numbers two of the last three years. 2017 was lower than 2016, and so far in 2019 has been lower than year to date 2018 was so without those numbers keeping the not the can, percentages where they are can you imagine it'd be a catastrophe can you imagine so that? that's I, I do think it's keeping some studios in uh, some theaters in business all this being said theme park movies are much more possible nowadays because of all the technological advances that you mr scorsese have mm. done so much to help enhance over the years with Hugo, now with the Irishman. And I think that's been something that's very important to him. And it's noble that he puts other people's money where his mouth is. And he really <laughs> works hard to help this cause and develop the technology to use for his kind of movies. And, and I think that's healthy. And I don't know what a what a theme park movie... I mean, does he mean any comic book movie? Does he mean any superhero movie? My guess is he's watched the wrong movies. Well, like, so, like, is The Matrix a theme park movie because there's a deity in there? I don't it understand. Not be. Right, I don't no. understand what he... This, again, because it's been such a big issue in sports, but this reminds me of the LeBron and Daryl Morey on the China Comets issue. Huh. I feel like I, I know what Scorsese's trying to say, but he can't say it properly. I think... He wants to say that there are theme park elements to these movies and that the result for many people going to see them is that's the payoff for the movies. And he is a story nut, and he is has dedicated his life and his career to telling really important stories in, in his mind well, and in our minds. I, I also think, reading the tea leaves a little bit, I don't think he can speak ill about streaming because of The Irishman, obviously. It's on Netflix, mm -hmm. and he's mad a little bit that Netflix was the only studio to step up and offer him the opportunity to make the film and his vision and for his desired budget, because he clearly prefers the theatrical experience, but he can't come out and say that right now because Netflix has the rights to it. So he looks around, and he wonders why big studios won't give him the Marty Scorsese budget money anymore. Mm -hmm. And the main reason is all studios want, like we keep talking about, are big budget franchise properties. So this could be his way of sounding off on that without directly putting Netflix in the crosshairs. So we got to wait and see 
if he comes out against theme park movies after Netflix buys the rights to The Incredible Hulk 2 <laughs> and he's still you know making movies for Netflix because The Irishman by all accounts is going to do well yeah. for him. Yeah. He'll probably stick with them if he can. Maybe. We'll I see. can't wait to cover it still regardless of all this. I, I just I feel like the content of the statement is incorrect we feel. We do. We yeah. do disagree. Does it play to older county right. voters? That's going to be a question. Feel the same Interesting way. question. Right, well, we'll have to watch that. Oscar trailers now, Michael. Marriage Story, trailer two. We get a lot more from Driver and Johansson here. I'm waiting for the Lauren Dern stuff, but we do get a Ray Liotta scene. <sighs> Boy, do we get a Ray Liotta scene. <laughs> uh, first of all, Alan Alda is 83. Amazing. He does a great job. He, he looks does, great. He does not have to work. <laughs> that man is one of the richest people in entertainment history from all of the mash money. Right. And he, he looks phenomenal for his age. You're right. He can pick and choose whatever he wants to do. He looks like he's putting on a great performance. But he is not a family lawyer at all. This is not a family attorney. Ray Liotta, on the other hand, mm -hmm. that speech in the the trailer he gives about settling on a place between reasonable and crazy, going through a divorce, the dark red hue to his face oh, and all that that implies. And terrifying. That's every family lawyer I've ever known in wow. my career. <laughs> that guy is a family lawyer who's seen some things. So If we never get married, though, we never have to get divorced. Exactly. Though, right, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on, on good footing there. <laughs> I, I think this looks phenomenal. They, they give us a lot from the first trailer again here, but they give us some of these Oscar real scenes with these great actors, so I can't wait to see. Do them. you feel like the first trailer was a bit of a misdirect? I think the first trailer had to warm us up to this project, and now they're going to start to give us a little more of the substance of mm. the stuff. But I, I feel like I do. I feel like it's going to be a mixed bag, and that's from all the people who've reviewed it already at the festivals. Agree. I feel it's going to give us that roller coaster of emotion. So I'm really excited about this movie. Do you think this has lost a little momentum yet? I think it's in the lost. wake of like what Elton John's going above and beyond with everything, J Lo having parties and walking runways for and... Best Picture, maybe. Well, for anything, I mean, just in general, it could win three. It's probably the front runner right now in three acting awards. Yeah. In all honesty, Johansson, Dern, and Driver. I, mean, I won't hear that last part. I, I, unfortunately, <laughs> it's going to be his first one, right? So. Well, speaking of Adam Driver, we had our second trailer for The Report as well. More driver than Benning here, and that makes some sense because he's the protagonist. I'm still waiting for the Annette Benning showcase scenes. Yeah, the the last couple movies, these trailers here, we haven't gotten the big introduction of who's supposed to be the big actress role. We don't know what supporting actress. We don't know what's going on with supporting actress yet. Is it going to be a Margot Robbie, Annette Benning square off with Laura Dern? Is it? I don't know what it's going to be. We got to wait and see. I, I want I want those categories to reveal themselves, Michael. I'm getting frustrated <laughs> at this point. But this is Amazon, and Amazon doesn't seem to be too hot on their, you know, their awards chances this year, which seems unfortunate at the moment. Maybe I'm misreading it entirely. Well, Maybe they just don't have the slate that they've had in the past. At least know. as far as Benning goes for supporting actress, right now, 20 out of 28 Gold Derby experts have Benning in their top five for supporting actress. Okay. 17 of those 20 put her in the top three, and yet we, like you say, have not seen anything really from that performance that's going to suggest. Again, I just it's all trailers. I just don't hear the raves. I mean, yeah. the projections are what they are, right? So, I'm with you, yeah. And in a weaker category. There's like, a difference between noise and momentum. Right. Yeah. There's I, no I momentum. Right. Uh, and keep an eye on self-cannibalization. I wanted to bring this up during Bombshell, but I think I'm, it's crystallized here for me. It, I think it's going to be a big year as far as we talk about Oscar puzzle stuff all the, all the time, but self-cannibalization is something that we can't ignore. Usually we talk about it in terms of multiple performances from a single movie or maybe a single category, right. but this year we're going to have a lot of the same performers who may be competing against themselves in the same category with dueling performances in different movies. We got Adam Driver here and in Marriage Story. We got Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Ad Astra if they put the Hollywood role into the leading actor category. Uh, we got Annette, ben Annette Benning here and Late Night Margot Robbie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Bombshell. Interesting year for self-cannibalization. So we have talked about this in the sense of reviewing categories going into who's going to win that is often yes, hurt right the winner at the end of the day if they have their shit together going in and one takes a backseat to the other you campaign for one more than the other i don't necessarily know if it hurts the nomination process as much and that sometimes it could help like adam driver being awesome and other stuff could help him in marriage story Alpha florence Pugh yeah. being awesome in midsummer could help her in little women or vice versa it that's happened as well where people feel like you paid all these kind of dues in one year you had a great year in film 
I, I think that could help going into the nomination process, but I, I think it's definitely a factor if you're nominated in two categories. Yeah. That's interesting. Helps getting there and then hurts getting to the finish line. Right. Uh, Something to keep an eye on for sure. Frozen, we had its international trailer release. And if Lion King isn't an animated feature as far as the Oscars are concerned, Disney's probably moonwalking to their fourth animated feature win with Frozen 2 over Toy Story. Could be. Could be. This looks just phenomenal. Now, we'll have to wait and see what the story is. The story could be... We have no idea what the story is. Not there is good. no plot in these first two trailers we've and seen. And I'm a little worried about that. I yeah. think Toy Story 4's story and its screenplay is phenomenal. I think all the production values are great. We love that movie. Yes. We truly did. Much. We might be suckers for all these you know, these trailers for Frozen 2 and the actual animation. My God, if you're just awarding the animation, wonderful. and I don't understand what's the difference between awarding this animation and the Lion King's animation... Somebody please tell me that. Because <laughs> they're both completely animated. No, one seems video animated. Anyway, yeah. I continue to be in awe of what they're putting on screen. Agree. The ice sorceress stuff in particular. Every time she uses her powers, my God, it Agree. looks phenomenal. Yeah, it absolutely looks great. I can't wait to get her hands on it. It's probably going to contend in a couple categories uh, if... Uh... Adele Dazeem Menzel has anything to say about it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The music, I'm sure, is going to be great because of Adrena Menzel there. Uh, Olaf. This was like the Olaf trailer. He's playing charades. He's got all these gags throughout. He's naked, apparently. That was revealed to us, but so cute. That lizard, too. Are you kidding me? You got a little gecko in this movie <laughs> who, like, parachute jumps off a log, which is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Oh my God! It's just going to be cuteness overload. Yeah, it really this is. thing's going to be a, a big contender. I would be very surprised if it doesn't end up making noise in the animated feature category. It's it's going to yeah. just on the trailers alone. Right. It's, it's there, Mike. Speaking of cuteness overload, <laughs> no Beanpole had its trailer debut. Ugh. This is the single most intentionally awkward trailer I've ever seen. This was excruciating. Yeah. It's Russia's submission to this year's Oscars, uh, which we've discussed previously. It's got an early 81 Metascore. The director is Kantemir Belagov. He's 28, and already this is his third feature-length film that he's directing. So, Matt Neglia, love this movie, gave it a really strong review. Just wanted to shout that out on uh, Next Best Picture. Mike, if we can barely survive the trailer, though, how in the holy hell are we going to take in the full movie? I mean, I'm half rooting for this not to get nominated, which is just an awful me problem. (laughs) It is just just terrible of me to do that because I don't want to, like, survive this. I know what this movie is going to be in a way. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. And oh, it you looks want to talk good. about vegetables. This is going to be a raw I mean, carrot right in the ground. They're using these unique scenes to describe the horror yeah. of war. But I think I may need to see Frozen 2 before and after this movie <laughs> to survive it psychologically. Some cool shots. I mean, you got a kid who's basically being forced into an entertainment role because you think, I guess, all these men are being held prisoner. And it's heartbreaking. He doesn't yeah. know what a dog is. Right. Because they've eaten all the dogs. Are you kidding me? It was funny, too. I did laugh once that guy started barking after the awkward silence. Oh. <laughs> Just to break the tension. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Beanpole, I'm so afraid of you. Something to keep an eye on. We will transition now and start wrapping up. Mike has a couple cases he wants to make for a couple different Oscar categories. Uh, We're going to start with something you want to make the case for the animated feature category, which has been something we've talked about a lot throughout this episode, Michael. What do you want to make the case for? Abominable. Last Sunday, after we stopped recording, you vexed me so much that I went down the hill, (laughs) bought a sandwich... Saw Abominable. You went to the Podunk Theater on I your went own? To the Podunk Theater. Wow. I was gonna go to. I had the night free, and a while before I had to do more podcast shit. I was exhausted, and uh, I was like, "Let me just see a movie." And for eight dollars, <laughs> your cheap ass Podunk Theater. It's great. It was great, <laughs> and I love this movie experience. Here's the thing: the story is preposterous. Like, the Yeti and the girl's violin are both magic. You see that in the trailer. It should be a fix-all. It's not a fix-all. They build up to it. It's ridiculous. The Nai-Nai character, though, is, like, my second favorite Nai-Nai on the year, which is saying a lot. I loved her in this. Good God, it's fun to watch. The animation is beautiful. I was floored. I can't imagine if I actually saw it in a crystal clear theater mm-hmm. and I didn't see it down the hill on this uh, ratty, fly-swatted screen. How dare you? Screen, How dare you? But I, I, w- I could see this in most years being a nominee. 
is this year jam-packed with Weathering with You and, and other films. Um, my guess is this uh, it should be nominated, and I will make the case for it. Let's just go over last year's nominees. I'm guessing you put Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse at a higher prestige yes. than this. Yes, uh, Incredibles 2? Yes. Higher. Uh, Isle of Dogs? No. I think they're both like an 86. Interesting. So they're probably even visually... They're both unique, but, uh, oh, God. I mean, this this was like taking a trip around China's landmarks, but but with dumplings <laughs> at every stage. That's why you so, uh, you're so you advocating for it so hard. I want to eat dumplings <laughs> so badly. What about versus head-to-head versus Mirai? Oh, this. This? And what about head-to-head versus Ralph Breaks the Internet? Oh, that's a tough one because I enjoyed that. But, but I would say Ralph Breaks the Internet was like an 85 for me. This is an 86. So this 86. is something that you think is definitely meriting nomination, but probably not a serious contender to win. It's not going to win. Okay. It could get nominated. Fair enough. Let's move on. What's your next case you would like to make, Michael? I'm going to make a case against Fury, which is the Vietnamese martial arts film that's basically the plot of Taken, but with uh, a mom instead of a, a dad finding her daughter and saving her from sex traffickers. Oh. This is good as a martial arts film, but the worst of the martial arts genre that we've come to know and love in an awesomely bad sense sure. is on display here. Uh. This plot line is just awful, and it's on the nose, and it really bothered me. I was so excited to find this on Netflix. Like, we just covered it. It was this cool nomination yeah. for a Best International Film from Vietnam. It's an all-time box office winner over there. It looked badass, too. It looked badass. I love the lead actress. I was very let down by this film, even though it still has martial arts goods. That's a little sad to hear. Let's do a head-to-head against last year's nominees. I'm guessing this falls short versus Roma. Yeah, it falls short. What about versus Cold War? Yeah, it falls short. It falls short. Well short? Every international film I've seen this year or nominated in past years. So it's, it's not it's not worth it. Unfortunately, it's not worthy. I got to call him like I see him. It, I, I don't get it. I don't get why it's being put up for that. Fair enough. And I would love to hear any kind of counter argument if anyone uh, sees it otherwise. We'll get to that at the end of this. But one more case to make, Michael. Pain and Glory with Antonio Banderas. Mike, I've grown up on Pedro Almodovar movies. Yes. I've always watched from high school. You are a fan. I've watched his films. I really love his films. They're very soap opera-y. They're not like this movie. This movie is filled with flashback-styled scenes, and it's very indulgent, and it takes its sweet time, and there's not enough Penelope Cruz, and there's a lot of penis, (laughs) and there's a lot of art, and there's there's a lot of drugs. Some would say penis won Roma those awards last year. It could have. Um, I think I have a major issue with how this character deals with the drug. So this is a case you're making against Antonio Banderas' best well, actor. Here's the thing. It's a, actually a case I'm making against all of the love I've seen oh, for the screenplay. Because okay. I don't think he knows shit about heroin here, or maybe I don't know his bi- biography, and maybe I'm speaking be- only out of the personal experience sure. that family members of mine have had with this. You can't quit this cold turkey, I don't think. And maybe I'm ignorant, but it, like this character just saying, all right, I'm going to stop, and then do- doing it, oh my god, it bothered me. So you found it wholly unrealistic, and that's, I'm guessing, one of the because central complexes of the... People close to me have gone through hell yeah. with that, and sure. it just really drove me up a wall. There's some real tricks of the screenplay, and it's just a testament to Almodovar's talent here. The Banderas performance, though, it's not the best performance in the film. Oh, wow! Because supporting actor, Mike, Azier Ziandia. It's an, it's, there's an E and an X and an E and an A at the beginning of his name. I'm sorry, man, but you are great in this movie. And he's playing, you know, the performance within a performance. He's playing a, a strung out character. He's playing all this old beef between him and di- the director and uh, that Antonio Banderas is playing in this film. It's really fun and cool and crazy. And I, I love many scenes with him in this movie. I love many scenes with an old flame in Banderas in this movie. I thought they were really emotional, really worked on me. I like the tricks of the screenplay. I don't love them. I don't see this movie being something that really should contend everywhere. I don't I don't I don't see it. I like his old other movies more. That's fascinating because I guarantee if you were to ask a hundred people, even a hundred people well within the film critic and film Twitter universe, 
what's the first name that comes to mind when you say pain and glory? You'd go over a hundred before you got to the supporting actor there. As far as the first name that comes to mind, I I've not heard anything about him. I loved his performance. So I'm looking at this as maybe on the name alone, getting into the globes. Mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't happen. I mean, look, I, I'm gonna as be far as what the screenplay, look, I give this a B 85. So it's not a weak grade for me, right? It's not a weak grade. I, I had some personal issues with the drug stuff. Parasite, Les Miserables, Portrait of the Lady on Fire, Monos, Atlantics. Those are probably the main names that will contend for the Globe International Feature nominee, right? I mean, at least those are the names. And the Globes, they love their names in this category. Yes, they do. So it's second on Feinberg's forecast right now. So there's there's a reason for the buzz. I don't see it just in terms of analyzing the movie on its you know by itself. I want to be blown away. I want to give an A minus or an A to these nominees. This is how I feel about Parasite. But knowing how much you love and respect Scott Feinberg, we both do. Right? Is this eating you up inside that you have to disagree with him so? No, it, but it's not that. <laughs> it's not kidding. that stark. Like kidding. you were way down on Parasite. I'm middling on this. It's because it's a bad movie, Mike. No. Oh, <laughs> I I, I say that in jest. Please don't come attack me. I think it's a good movie. Uh, It's well done anyway. Uh, So we want to know your thoughts about the cases Mike made. So we're saying we are for Abominable getting an animated feature nominee. Yes. We are against Fury getting any sort of international feature recognition. Yeah. And we are against... On all glory. levels. I was surprised. I was surprised. We're against both the performance by Banderas, the screenplay, and the international feature. Unless... Mr. Ziandia. Yeah. You're, you're in. <laughs> I got to learn how to say his That's beautiful his name. That's religious speaking, yeah. His beautiful name. But unless he starts to get some buzz here, because I, I thought he was great. Okay, Maybe fair I'm enough. An airheaded idiot. If know. you disagree, and again, like I said earlier, if you want to correct my record on Parasite, what I'm missing, uh, we do want to hear from you. You can leave us those comments, those disagreements, your arguments at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook or Instagram or at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Uh, if you make a good enough case, we'll certainly read it out and address it on a future episode. Let's wrap up with the final story here, Michael. Looking towards Oscars of the future. Amanda Seedfried and Gary Oldman are starring in David Fincher's Mank for Netflix, Mike. This is going to be about the screenwriter for Citizen Kane. So, I know I'm supposed to care about this as far as an Oscar movie, and obviously it is. It's Gary Oldman and Amanda Seedfried, two mm-hmm. wonderful thespians. David mm-hmm. Fincher, I'm tired of his reputation for being like a film bro director. He is fantastic as a director. I think that's completely overblown. Agreed. Um, but my first thought was... This could be a really fun rewatch series for us leading up to this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've always done contemporary and modern films, obviously, with our rewatch deep dives, but this could be a chance for MMO to go a little retro and get ourselves a black and white logo and dive into the world of screenwritings of Herman Mankiewicz. I mean, Citizen Kane, Pride of the Yankees, he was a producer on some Marx Brothers movies, which I adore and love. So you just mentioned David Fincher. Yeah. And you want to do a rewatch of Herman Mankiewicz. You want to do a series rewatch of Herman Mankiewicz. Uh, that is correct. It is not at all. I did not read this copy. I did not read this copy. I thought for sure ah. like the obvious rewatch series would be David Fincher. Can I tell you something? You talking about it now is the first I ever gave that thought, how it should be David Fincher. Well, that is very noble of you, and maybe it'll be a miniseries because Duck Soup is a, is a funny movie and Pride of the Yankees and Citizen Kane are classics, of course. This, that's the movie rewatch we should do. Right, right. What do I <laughs> Just watch Zodiac on a loop a new and yell at all the people that I went to the movies movie that time out. with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. But as far as the movie being excited for it, I hope mm. Gary Oldman is still in a form thespian. Like, I hope the winning the Oscar didn't just relieve him of his burden of being. Does an actor. he have another form? Look, the laundromat, people aren't high on. Woman in the window has got issues. I, I would agree with you. I watched half of the laundromat before coming here today. I'm going to review it next week on the Nomcast Netflix Original Movies Podcast. Connecticut's taking over the podcasting That's world. right, with a friend, with Brenda Andrew there, I hope. I think uh, we got that set up tentatively. So I agree with you that he is not always at his Oscar level, per se, because he's not, I, yeah, he's not. I mean, he's still one of our favorites ever. Right, we just want to see the, the best of him at all times. I just demand perfection. You do from everybody else. That's it. Maybe That's we the should end of that l- sentence. Lean into that. We should be more snooty. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe 
Maybe that's the answer for everything. More snooty. We're an Oscars podcast. <laughs> Making awards season year-round with nothing but stuffiness. With nothing but stuffiness. <laughs> Guys, as always, we want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about counter-arguments to either my views on Parasite to Mike's views on Make the Case, those three individual cases he made, anything else we covered in this episode, or anything else really we do here in the MMO empire, you can leave us those, like I just told you, at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You do hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, use Apple Podcasts or use iTunes. Mm-hmm. If you can go on your iPhone, go to the podcast app, that little purple square with a, a Mankowitch sticking up in the middle of it. Uh, tap on that. <laughs> I have to tie it in somehow to every episode. It's what I do. Uh, tap on the podcast app. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search. You'll see our cartoon logo. You can tap on our faces there. If you scroll down once, you can see the opportunity to leave us a five-star review. We are trying to collect those, and really every single one of those you give us, we really, truly do appreciate. You've been doing great with that. It takes you a tenth of the time to do it. If that, yeah. I'm that already does Mike breath. to explain yeah. how to do it. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, Michael, what is coming next? Uh, what do we do here in MMO, and what are some words of wisdom for these fine people? So we're going to review Zombieland Double Tap on Monday's MMO Weekly. We're going to have a bit of a short turnaround on Oscar A's Checkpoint. Do that mid-next week because the end of next week we're going to hit the lighthouse. We're very intrigued by that. We can't wait. We should probably see that one just hammered, right? Wow. <laughs> or like that, on LSD then we had, or... Uh, yeah, LSD, uh, <laughs> none of those would work <laughs> because that's the natural feeling you're supposed to get. Right. Right, yeah. Anyway. I just want to see things the way Robert Pattinson's seeing oh, things. Oh, through in the movie. Right, you exactly. You want to get into character. You, you want the lighthouse getting into character. I don't want to do LSD for my own benefit. <laughs> I want to do it to do a better professional job. All right, so that's the opposite of the wisdom I was going to go for, but Jojo Rabbit's coming. We yes. have uh, more Netflix movies. IMDb Journey, they just invited me on to do a little Pod V Pod V Pod that debuted uh, yesterday when you're hearing this. I per- I just humiliated myself. <laughs> and I'm terrible at trivia, but if you want to laugh at me and with them, <laughs> then you should go and check out their great podcast, like I've said for the second time on this episode. They are awesome. Go listen to yes, it. Yes, they are. Otherwise, we got uh, the Scaries for the Halloween Horror Movie Award Show. Yes. I think we're trying to put that out on Halloween, we Hopefully, talked about. Yeah. And we got a ton of Oscar movies to do. And then that'll have to be the wisdom yet again because I can't think of anything else. Oscar movies, watch them. The wheel keeps on spinning here. Like we say, guys, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. When reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you soon. See you.